where everything is on social media. And if it's not on social media, it didn't happen. Uh, you've got to have video evidence of it. But, you know, that, honestly, that's just a, kind of a spoof, spoof of how things have changed. Um, back in the day, which back in the day depends on how old you are and where you're at in life. So we'll just go, you can figure out what back in the day means to you. But for me, back in the day was you propose, she says yes, you don't mess it up in that period of time, which I tried really hard. And then you have all, like there's, you know, there's showers and stuff like that. And, and when we were engaged, there was a really new phenomenon called couple showers. Now, they're not a big deal now, but back in the day, when I first went to one, it was a big deal. All the, all the guys stood in one corner, like, why are we here? Is there a ball game on? Is there something else we could be doing right now? And then we started playing games, which I thought would be fun, and then it really wasn't all that much fun, but, you know, it's okay. But the world, but things change. Things do change. But here's one thing that doesn't change. A wedding is a really big deal. And I can say that having been in a ton of them, doing, have done a ton of them, uh, and now that I've got a child who's gone through one, man, it's a really big deal when your child gets married. It's a really big deal when you get married. Two people stand in front of their family and their friends. They gather with, with people. They get all dressed up. They make promises. They make vows. They pledge their devotion to one another. And on that day, no one cares what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day or two years down the road or five years down the road, or ten years down the road. No, one, no one's thinking about that. It's just about the day. I tell every, every time I've ever done a wedding, this is inevitably, I say, something's not going to be perfect. The only people that will know is us. And everyone else will be okay, and in six months, you won't care. And every groom's like six months, six minutes. I won't care. But anyway, but that's the difference in a bride and a groom also. And so here's what happens. You, get, you have your ceremony. You have your party afterwards. You leave, and somebody inevitably paints on your car or puts a sign up that says, Just married. And just married is a proclamation that two people are gotten together, and they formed a family, and it's a really big deal, and it's exciting, and it's fun, and it's a commitment I mean, it's all these things just wrapped up into these two words. Just married. Just married is a really, really big deal. But here's what can happen. What can happen is marriage is like anything else. If you don't take care of it, it will not be taken care of. If you don't pay attention to it, things are going to slip. And so it's easy over time to let things start to slip. Relationship changes. You know, it's kind of, I always, I tell everybody up front, and no one ever believes me. I said, you know, somewhere down the road, these cute habits are going to become annoying. No, they're not. Okay. I'm just telling you somewhere along the road, you're going to go, when did you start wearing that t-shirt? Um, since I was like eight, you know, stuff like that. But these things that people do, they get annoying, and you get, and, but that's because the relationship changes, and that's because the expectations change and we're going to talk about a lot of different things in the next four weeks and one of the things that we're going to talk about in a couple weeks is everybody brings stuff in and you assume the other person's bringing the same stuff in see that's the all these things happen but here's the big thing if you don't take care of your marriage if you don't take care of your family just married becomes this it becomes just married 
Just two people living in the same house. Just two people cohabitating. Just two people co-parenting. Just two people who are more like business partners than they are a husband and wife. So it's more business than covenant relationship. And people will sometimes say, well, that's just because things change. And I always say this, it doesn't have to. Not if you take care of your marriage. And so we're going to talk for the next four weeks about marriage, but we're also going to talk about the things that transcend all relationships. So let me do a few disclaimers up front, okay? Maybe you're here today because you're married and you, you got married and your life's been, you know, not perfect, but it's been pretty good. And you can't imagine spending your life without your spouse. And, and so you're committed till death do you part. There are two questions that I ask, and I was joking with someone the other, telling someone about it the other day. Back in Elberton, it became legendary with young couples because the word got really fast. I was going to ask two questions. And if you said, didn't answer yes to both, then I wouldn't do your wedding. And the first question I asked was always this, are you committed to death do you part? Because if you're not, I'm out. Find somebody else. I'm not in, I'm in short-term stuff. I know things happen down the road, and I get that. And so you're married because you love your spouse, and you can't imagine a life without them. Now, the other thing, it's not a disclaimer, it's just the way it is. We're not going to talk about traditional marriage, because I don't believe in traditional marriage. I believe in biblical marriage. Traditional marriage can change. That's kind of what's going on in our country today. Biblical marriage is a husband and a wife. Now, I'm not, it's not our place to judge people who don't hold to that value. That's a whole different conversation. But the truth is, we always talk about traditional marriage. You're not going to hear the word traditional marriage come out of my mouth ever. Ever. Because I don't believe in traditional marriage. Because the really cool thing about traditions is they change, right? When you, I grew up with traditions, and then when Crystal and I got married, we started our own new traditions. And now Alec and Haley have their own new traditions. Traditions change. Biblical values don't. So this is about biblical value, marriage. One husband, one wife, till death do you part. Okay? Now, here's, so that's the next disclaimer. Maybe you find yourself in a place where you're married, you're committed to your spouse, but man, things are gotten tough. You've hit a rough patch. And these gaps start to show up. And they weren't there when you stood on the stage when you're all dressed up and her pretty dress and your tux. And, you know, they, they weren't there and they weren't there a year out. But, man, they just started to form. And these gaps are kind of starting to cause wedges in your relationship. And you just want to reclaim the way things were. And so one of the things I hope that happens over the next four weeks is that we can start some of those gaps. There are some people here who are not married. Hope to get married one day. So if that's your story, you ought to pay attention. But there are people here who are not married anymore. They're not married because their spouse has passed away. They're married uh, because, they, because they separated or divorced. And there are people maybe here today that are not married to the person they were married with at first. So let me say this. This is not about judging people. This is not where you've been, because where you've been is between you and the Lord, okay? Anyone who thinks where you've been is between you, them, and the Lord, you, you need to kind of step back and understand biblical truth. Where you are in life is between you and the Lord. What we're going to talk about is where you go from this point forward. Not where you've been. 
So, but I will say this, and it comes up a lot. If I were to say to you, God hates divorce, if you've ever been through one, you know how true that is. If you've been through one personally, or if you have been a family member that's experienced it, you know how true that is. But God doesn't hate people. And we all make mistakes, right? And so this is not, so if that's your story or that's someone you know and you're like, well, I was gonna invite these people to church, but they, they're not, you know, they've been divorced and remarried. Look, this is about where you are today moving forward, okay? This is not about judging people. It's not our place to do that. But here's the question we're gonna ask. The question is, how do we move back from just married back to just married? Because those are two different things. Just married is a business partnership. Just married is a covenant relationship. So the question is, how do we get back there? And so today, uh, if, you are, if you are a big fan of the book of Revelation, today is your day. Uh, we're going to go to the book of Revelation. I don't do it often. Um, and it's a weird place to look at marriage, but it's actually a friend of mine used this for a passage about 10 years ago, and it's stuck with me ever since. And so I want to talk to you about marriage from the book of Revelation to the letter to one of the churches. And we're not going to talk about that part of it because that part of it doesn't matter. But there's three principles there that apply in your marriage, that apply in your relationship with your kids, they apply in your relationship with your friends, they apply, they apply across relational boards. Okay, so in Revelation chapter uh, 2, beginning in verse 4, we see these words. I have this against you. You have left the love you had in the beginning, so remember where you were before you fell. So we're gonna, I'm going to introduce you to basically a three-step process. If you, if you got gaps in your marriage, I believe if you start doing these three things, you can start closing the gaps. If you're going through a tough time, I think if you start doing these three things, you can start closing the gaps. If you're happily married, now here's the other thing. I didn't say this. There are people, inevitably, a series like this, been married for a long time, 30, 40, 50 years. And, they, and they'll, uh, this is for the young people. If you're married, this is for you. Because this is, what I'm, this is what I know. Crystal and I have been married for 31 years. And I don't want to get to the place where we've been there, done that, and it doesn't matter anymore. If we make it to 50, if the Lord allows us to make it to 50 and doesn't come back or, or whatever, I want 50 to be as good as 31 has been. That's what I want. So this is, for, this is for married people, single people, people who want to be married, people who don't want to be married. It just doesn't matter. So this is... The deal. So the first thing is this. We need to remember. Remember. Remember the, and he says this, remember the love you shared. Remember the height from which you've fallen. Now, I don't think I've ever said this here. But one of my favorite phrases of all time, and, I, and it's honestly, I, I've got to tell you the backstory behind it. My first Sunday in Elberton uh, 12 years ago, this popped in my head in the middle of the sermon. And I don't know why it did, and I said it, and I wrote, and I've been riding with it ever since. So there's this thing, this is a value that I have in my life that I just, it just kind of came to me in this way. And it goes like this. If what happened yesterday has no relevance to tomorrow, it's time to stop talking about yesterday. So let me say that again. If what happened yesterday has no relevance to our tomorrow, it's time to stop talking about yesterday. So that's what we're going to talk about right now. There's two sides of this. 
There's a side where what happened yesterday is absolutely relevant to tomorrow. We need to deal with it. There are things that happened yesterday that are irrelevant. There's a lot of stuff that's not. There's a whole lot of stuff that's not. And somewhere along the way, we've got to figure out what's relevant and what's not so we can move forward because here's what happens if you don't. If you don't, you're always bringing yesterday into today and it affects your tomorrow. If you just keep bringing stuff in. But if you understand what's relevant yesterday is relevant to our tomorrow, then you'll deal with it. So remembering is two sides. There are things we need to remember and there are things we need to stop remembering. So he says, remember the love you shared. Remember the height from which you have fallen. So in my office, in my little makeshift office back here, the first thing I did, the very first thing I did, um, when we put a desk in there, uh, is I've, Brenda found me a little bookshelf, and I said, I need something for some pictures. Now, I got a truckload of pictures over here that I hadn't even put up yet. But I said, I need pictures. And, when I, and, there, and my office has got pictures of my kids, of people dear to me, of events that are special to me. I mean, there's just all pictures. And this is just a small setting. I used to have, have them all over the place. One way I will. Those pictures are there because they tell a story. And the story they tell me is I have a lot to lose if I mess things up. If I don't take care of my marriage, if I don't take care of my family, then I have a lot to lose. If I don't value the relationships that God has placed in my path, man, I have a lot to lose. They remind me that I need to work on my marriage. I need to work on my relationship with my kids. I need to work on my relationships with my friends. It's a reminder. It's a good way to remember that we're here after 31 years because all this has happened. And I wouldn't change any of it. Now, I made a truckload of mistakes. That's a whole other conversation. I could fill a book with mistakes I've made. Some I'm still living with. But to change one thing changes part of my story. And I'm unwilling to change part of my story. Because it's all I know. And it's all I got. And it's pretty good. It's not perfect. But I love it. And so there's this idea that, you know, we need to remember what's happened, but here's the other side of that. The other side of that is there's stuff that happens you don't need to remember. There's stuff that happens you need to move on from. I have, I have, um, I had two couples in our small, in my small group that um, had affairs among the two couples. No one knew about it. And it, it, it wreaked a lot of havoc in our group. But here's what I know. After a lot of work and a lot of love and, 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 and a lot of sacrifice, both those couples are still married. Marriages are stronger than they ever were before. Better than they ever were before. And they'll tell you that. They won't tell you that they, it's because we had to do this work. But man, they, they did the work. But they also left what happened in the past. That's the other thing. It doesn't come up all the time. They left it in the past. And that's a pretty amazing thing to do, to leave it in the past. But they did that because they wanted a future together. And they knew if they kept bringing it up, they could have no future. Sometimes you just got to let stuff go. 
my friends, Nathan and Debbie, uh, were in our small group in Carrollton, and they were an older couple, and well, they still are an older couple, but they were kind of like the parents to our small group, all right? I mean, they were like, my, they were like parents to everyone in our small group. I wish they were here so I could hear me say that, because Nathan would have come up here and hit me. So, but when their daughter, Melissa, was 16, she was killed in a wreck coming home from a youth conference. And, they used, and, and I remember one night where they sat down and they talked about that to our group. Now, we all knew everything. I was in Tennessee when, when that happened, and I knew you had known Melissa almost her whole life. And I remember the night that happened. And this is what struck me about the night. Their daughter had been at, a, at CIY, was on her way home after they dropped off at church, and lost control of her car and hit a tree, which that part's not the important part. They stood over their, their dead daughter, grabbed each other's hands and said, this will not end us because it usually does. They said, this will not end us. And they committed that they were going to, whatever they had to deal with in the future, they were going to do it together. They remember their daughter. And that's a good thing. They don't remember the pain of that night but they remember their memories they had with Melissa. Um, a friend of mine said this in a sermon, uh, same friend who preached in this passage, uh, once again wrote this down because it just stuck with me. I mean, it's been around for about 10 years, but he says this, relationship healing begins when we stop being held hostage by a bad moment or a bad decision in our history and look forward to a great future. Now I'm gonna read that again. And I want you to think about that. Relationship healing begins when we stop being held hostage by a bad moment. I would ask you if you've ever had a bad moment, but we'd all have to raise our hands. And the people who didn't, who didn't would be afraid to admit you've had a bad moment. I would ask you if you made a horrible decision. Most of us would raise our hands. But you can be held hostage by a bad moment or a bad decision, but that'll keep you from a great future. You can't always be pulling stuff from the past into your today and have a bright tomorrow. Because here's what happens. You pull enough stuff from yesterday into your today, eventually, you'll have no tomorrow. That's how it works. And that statistically is overwhelming. Now I could hear and tell you, uh, I was talking about this with a friend the other day too, I can tell you that the divorce rate among Christians is higher than among non-Christians, and it is. Which is kind of scary, isn't it? Divorce rate among Christians is higher than among non-Christians. Now, I can tell you it's been that way for about 10 years. But I can also tell you there's a little disclaimer to that. And that's because there are people, this doesn't take into account people who move in together, live together, and separate. It just encounters people who married. But statistics say, even if you throw those out, Christians divorce are a higher rate than non-Christians. That's scary. That's what it tells you, man, divorce is tough. And if you've ever experienced one, been through one, man, you know how hard that is. If you've been through one and found someone else, man, I'm so happy for you. Because that's hard too. I have friends who are divorced and remarried. Marriage is better than it was before. And I've got friends who have divorced and they don't have anything to do with their spouse. And that's horrible. God hates divorce. 
And there's a reason. If you've experienced one, know someone who's been through one, you know that he does. But God loves all people. So the question is, how is it that we can move forward from what's happened yesterday? How can we move forward? And here's the answer. You can't do it by yourself. You can only do it with Jesus. This is what Jesus says. This is in Mark chapter 10. This is a message. Jesus was blunt. No chance at all if you think you can pull it off by yourself. Every chance in the world if you let God do it. The real question is, if you're married, and I'm talking to married couples right now, if you're married, do you want to have an incredible marriage? Or do you just want to be, have an okay marriage? Do you want to go back to just married, excitement, as cool as that is, or do you just want to be just married? Do you want to cohabitate, or do you want to do life together? Because you have to choose. Remember. Remember the things you need to Remember. Forget the things you don't. Don't let yesterday pull you into tomorrow. But here's the good news when it comes in our relationship with God. So when I tell you stories about people who've been through stuff, this is, this is the story. This is the deal. There's nothing we can do. There's no height that's so high that we can fall that God can't restore and redeem us. God can redeem us. God can redeem all relationships. And God will redeem you where you are. God redeems me where I am. Sometimes, it just takes a lot of work on our end. But God's there the whole time. God doesn't just give us anything. We still gotta do the work. But you gotta remember. Now the next thing we need to do that talks about, and this is the hard part. This is the hard part, and that's to repent. Repent of your own stuff. And I should have underlined all that. I should have put it in all caps. Of your own stuff. Now we're gonna talk about this in a second. Let me read this. Verse five says this. Change your heart and do what you did at first. Now, my favorite thing in a marriage series, and I've seen it all, and I'm, I'm watching, I'm just telling y'all right, so you know now I'm watching, so I'll probably need to catch nobody now. Um, I love the nudges. When you start talking and a wife nudges, uh, I've not seen many husbands with the guts to nudge their wife. They usually do it a little more subtle. I've seen a nudge. I've seen a head hit. I've seen a thump. I've heard someone say, are you listening to him? I've heard it all, seen it all. And it reminds me of those people who always come to church and they'll hear a sermon or whatever. And when they walk out the door, they'll say to whoever's preaching, the people who need to hear that, man, I wish they were here today. <laughs> it's my if you really want to get me, say that. But this is what you're going to hear. Well, you were here. So maybe you needed to hear that. Maybe this wasn't about them, but it was about you. When we start talking about repenting of our stuff, man, it's so much more fun to deal with your wife's stuff or your husband's stuff, right? I mean, it's so, because it's so obvious, right? My wife's in bed sick, so I gotta be really careful right now that I'm not gonna get in trouble. Man, we all have flaws. And I can point hers out. I don't. I did. The reason I made it 31 years is because I quit doing that. And I quit trying to fix her. And I quit trying to fix her problems, which is a whole other thing. This is what you need to understand. Husbands, you can't fix your wife. Stop trying. Give it up. You can't fix her. You can't train her. You can't, you can't make it. You just can't fix her. Wives, you cannot fix that man you're married to. It's just not going to happen. But here's what you can do. You can fix you. 
You can fix, you know, uh, it's that old saying, you can't change what people do to you, but you can change how you respond to what people do to you. I can't change if my wife blows up about something I don't think is a big deal or vice versa, but we can change how we respond to that. Owning your own stuff. Repentance is this really cool thing, and it's true in all relationships. It's especially true in marriage. Man, it's a momentum changer. So I love football. So imagine this. Imagine you've got a quarterback who drops back to pass, not Scraven County because we don't throw, but in any other place, you drop back to pass and you throw the ball. Dunk is not here. I can get away with this. So, and you throw the ball down the field and because and, and, everything's going this way, defensive back intercepts the ball. You know what happens? Momentum of the game just switched. Everything was going this way. Now it's going this way. You were on offense. Now you're on offense. All just like that. The momentum of the game changes because one person threw a pass to someone he shouldn't or, or fumbled the ball when he shouldn't have or missed a block when they shouldn't have. The momentum of the game completely changes. I'm telling you, the momentum of your marriage, the momentum of your relationships can change if you'll learn 12 words. Ready? I'm pretty good at these now, but I, I didn't used to be. I was wrong. That was still tough for me. I am sorry, I say that a lot. Please forgive me, and I love you. Man, those are momentum changers. You know what they do? They diffuse bombs from going off. Because it immediately puts two people on the same page. Now, it didn't always diffuse a bomb. Y'all, you know that. But sometimes when it explodes, it's not quite as bad. These words can change the momentum of your marriage. And I'm not just talking to husbands. So if you're nudging your husband, don't do that. I'm saying if we learn those words, if we learn those words, that can change the momentum of your marriage, the momentum of your relationship with your kids, the momentum of your relationship with your parents, the momentum of your relationship with your friends, coworkers, boss, employees. And it can change everything. Because what you're admitting is, I messed up. I overreacted. I said something I shouldn't have. I did something I shouldn't. Now, let me just, before we move on, these words aren't magic, and they don't fix everything. So if you're going to go home today and start throwing these words around, thinking they fix everything, they don't fix anything. They just diffuse bombs from going off. They get you back on the same page. Common ground is what I call it all the time in, in marriage stuff. It's common ground. You want to live your life on common ground. Common ground is the place where you stand and you say, no matter what happens in this life, we are together and nothing can change that. That's common ground. These words can help you move from just married back to just married. Which leads us to the last one, and that's return. Return. Return to the way things were. Wedding day, in front of your family and friends, not a care in the world. Everything's good. Your, your future spouse has got annoying habits that you're ignoring because it's all good. That's not going to last long. Your spouse is going to make a mistake, and you don't care, but you will. You, start, you have kids. It adds layers to your relationship. We'll talk about that in a few weeks. Return to the way things were. Jesus said this, turn back to me. 
and do the things you did at first. Turn back to me. So the question is, how do we do that? So I'm about to give you the most practical marriage advice I've ever given. It's not original with me, or at least this idea is not. It's the most practical, life-changing marriage 101, 201, 301, whatever your number wants to be. This can change everything in your marriage. I don't care if your marriage is awesome. This can change it. If your marriage is good, this can make it great. If your marriage is great, it's going to make it awesome. If it's awesome, it's going to make it more better. If it's terrible, it's going to make it good. And you can work your way up. So, Consider this, um, this triangle, okay? And so imagine your relationship with your spouse, with your husband, with your wife as, as a triangle. And you're going to see this a lot in the next few weeks, okay, in different forms. And so God, imagine the world we're looking at today that God's at the top of the triangle. And remember, you got, you know, you're trying to, you can't fix your spouse, right? You can't fix your husband, you can't fix your wife. You also can't make your husband or wife grow close to God, can't do that. I cannot tell you how many times over the years I've talked about marriage, I get a text message, an email saying, I really, really wish there was something you could do for my husband to make him love the Lord the way he loves his kids. And I hear it all the time. And yes, I hear that from wives 9.99 times out of 10. Rarely is it the other way. So here's the plan. Here's how this works. You can't fix your wife. You can't fix your husband. You know what you can do? You can fix your relationship with God. And so your goal is to get closer to God. What do we say? We talk about all the time. My, the mission of our life is to know God and be known by God. I mean, that's why we're here. That's why we exist, to know God and be known by God. And so how do I know God and be known by God? I grow closer to God. How do I grow closer to God? I get in his word and I read and I pray. And I pray for my family. And I pray for my kids. And I pray for my grandkids. I've told you, I think I told you all this before. Um, I started praying for Haley the day my son was born. Now, I don't need to know her name. I started praying for Riley Jane the day my kids were born. I just didn't know which one was coming first. I'm already praying for my granddaughter's child which maybe I'll get to see, maybe I won't, and that's okay, that's not, I can't fix that. I want my kids to know the Lord, but I can't make my kids know the Lord. I want my wife to know the Lord, I can't make my wife know the Lord, I'm not saying she does, and I'm just telling you as an example, right? Here's what I can do. I can grow closer to God, and when you grow closer to God, you kind of start moving up the triangle. That's how it works. So, this is the way it should work. You've got a husband who says, you know what, I'm going to commit myself to getting to know God and I'm going to spend time in his word and I'm going to start getting closer to God and you start moving closer. And then you have a wife who says, you know what, I can't fix my husband, but I'm going to start, get, I want to get closer to God. I'm going to pray for my husband, I'm going to pray for my kids, I'm going to pray for my family and I'm going to read my Bible and I'm just going to start getting closer to God and you start moving up. So you start here and you start moving up. You start moving up. You start moving up. And I don't know if you notice, but if you look at the triangle, a really cool thing happens. The closer you get to God relationally, the closer you get to one another. The key is not your wife, your husband. The key is God. He's the key. 
It's not about, you know, if you want to grow closer to your wife or your husband, grow closer to God. Pray that he or she will do the same thing and you will grow closer in a way you cannot fathom or imagine. And that's how it works. It's the most practical thing I can tell you. If I could have just done that, we could have been out of here 20 minutes ago. But I like to talk. Make the mission of your life to know God and grow closer to God. Pray that your husband, pray that your wife will do the same thing. Talk about it. And you, you may be close now, and I'm not saying you're not, I'm, and you probably are, but it's close in a way that you cannot define. It's close in a whole different level. When two people are growing closer to God together. It's a, whole, it's a game changer. You want to move from just married back to just married? Three words. Remember, repent, and return. Start that. It can change everything. But here's the thing. There are a lot of people who have really good marriages who have no relationship with God. And you know them. That's just a fact. If you know, someone says, well, you have to know, love God to have a good marriage, we all know that's not true. But knowing God and making God the center of your relationship changes the depths of your marriage and takes it to a whole other level. A level that people who have a good marriage, a great marriage, but don't know God, can never have. So if you really, really, really want a great marriage, you want to have great relationships with your kids, with your parents, with your friends, with your coworkers. It starts when you commit yourself to getting to know God and pray that they do the same thing. Father, we are um, grateful for um, this example from this book that's not even about marriage, but it's about relationships. The lessons we can learn about remembering the right things, forgetting the wrong things, repenting, moving forward, admitting that we are flawed and we mess up, committing ourselves to growing closer and closer to you. So Lord, I pray that we will not settle, no matter how long we've been married, for just an okay marriage or a good marriage. We want a great marriage, an incredible marriage. A marriage in which you are the foundation and the tip that we strive for. That you're the driving force of our relationship with our husband, with our wives, with our kids, with our parents, with our friends, with our children, with our coworkers. Just married was never your intent for us. So Lord, help us reclaim the way it was when it was so amazing and incredible on that wedding day. We can carry that from this day forward if we choose to. Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name.